0: first baptist church we are so happy to have you here in the weeks leading up to christmas and it is a great day to praise the lord amen amen, amen. amen. i can't hear It's a great day to praise the lord amen amen, amen. amen. let's stand and worship him together
1: The thing to do
2: now, to worship God through the fire, through the storm, through the flood, through the COVID, uh, through through the uh, uh, yeah, Christmas season, just and maybe through a birthday.
0: I don't know, but I, I heard of something birth. that there was a 105-year-old on the stage today. <laughs> not me. It's not Fred. <laughs>
2: well, if you add them together, I don't know.
0: Well, we just have a little something. Happy birthday to you, happy you birthday to you, happy birthday dear <laughs> <Pastor> panther <Pastor. laughs> happy birthday to you, thank
2: you,
1: thank you, thank you, <laughs> uh, yes, thank you, great, hello, yes sir, Yes, from the trustees and also from the church. We gave you a little present here. Oh my goodness! So you are, you are such a blessing for this church. You really <laughs> truly are. Thank you. So you a-
2: God bless you, my friend. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, trustee. You guys are awesome, way too awesome. Let's go to God right now and worship him in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we are such a grateful group of people who, Lord, assemble in your name to worship you and to honor you and to glorify you. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that's mine and Pat's to be able to be in a position of such honor here and, and that we're valued and treasured. Lord, that means so much to us. And we thank you because we value and treasure the people that you've given to us to shepherd. Father, I pray that you'd bless everything said and done. Thank you for the great worship and music already. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to preach the word of God once again today. And I pray that you would be in the message and that you give ears to hear what said the Father that you would control what is spoken from this pulpit? In Jesus' name, we pray. And all the people said, "Amen." Amen. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. You guys are way too kind. We appreciate you and love you a lot. Today, going to be preaching on what they they found. What they diligently sought. They found what they diligently sought. Also, uh, wind surfers. Our teen group will be meeting on the patio right now, so you can go ahead and join them. Military meal right afterwards. For those that are active military, you're welcome to go and have some KFC, I think. They changed their name to KFC. It used to be Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now it's KFC, trying to hide the fact that it's fried, but that's what makes it good. So, (laughs) Next Sunday, 10 a.m., I'm dreaming of a right Christmas, and then 5 p.m., Miracles of Christmas in our candlelight service. Now, we need a little help. Those of you that are in the military, and uh, James, there's one there, pass it that way. If you're going to be here for the military meal... Uh, next week, because I know a lot of people will be out of town, go ahead and sign that up, and we'll be able to make sure we have enough food and prepare for everybody who's here. So just when you get it all filled out, just keep going to the back until it gets to the end. End of the year giving must be postmarked December 31st, in case you're interested in that. January, we're going to be preaching a different series. Um, it's going to be a Christian Worldview on Debt, Giving, Time, and Talents. A Christian worldview. This world has everything upside down, backwards, and inside out, uh, but God's Word is, is, speaks truth in every realm of living, every realm of life. So hope that you will be here all of January for that. We will have our yearly meeting there. We'll have a vote on the budget there. We'll have, in fact, we'll have um, the budget for you to review I think in two weeks, if I, I don't have my calendar up here with me, but I think in two weeks, you can check it out, and then we'll go ahead and vote on it. If you are a guest for the first time, and we do have one lady from Canoga Park, we're glad to have you here, and others are visiting, no doubt, so if you are, would you take the connection card and fill it out in just a few moments, and uh, and then go ahead and turn it in to us, or put it in the uh, tithe and offering box, which is to the left of the double doors as you leave, and we'll have a record of your being here, and we're so grateful always to have people in God's house. And if you'll fill this out and turn it in, we'll send you... A Starbucks card. We appreciate you so much. Now, I should have said that at the beginning because now I'm going to have you stand again. You can't be filling out a card. While well, you can, I guess, but let's stand together as we worship the Lord in a couple of more songs this morning. presence fill this building, every room in this location. May your presence fill each heart, and Father, may you draw people unto yourself, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and be seated. And boys and girls, the First Baptist Church, if you'll come up here before you go to your class, I would appreciate it. Got something I want to share with you. Boys and girls, come on. Teens are already out on the patio. So if you're a teenager, would like to join uh, another group of teens, they're out there on the patio, right down the hallway and right out there. So hey, boys and girls, can you all keep a secret? How many can keep a secret? Can't tell anybody about this, okay? Promise? All right. Your pastor, me has a superpower. You laugh. I have a superpower. Miss Pat knows what that superpower is. You know what that superpower is, Pat? Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. That's not it, though. My kids know I have a superpower. You know what it is? Anybody guess what my superpower is? I can't fly through the air like Superman. You know what my superpower is? I can find lost things. Is that not true? That is true. I can find things that are lost. It started out when I was about the age of this young man right here, and I was walking through the. We lived next door to a park, and I was walking through the park, and I was going over to the water fountain, and I found rolled up eight dollars. <laughs> now, when I was about seven or eight years old, that was Confederate money, uh, <clears throat> but it was still eight bucks, and eight bucks was like I don't know what you know nineteen. Uh, Fifty-six or seven, whatever. Imagine what that would be worth now. Eight, I found eight whole dollars, and it was amazing. Another time, I was at a, at a confectionery store. You don't know what a confectionery store is? No, it's a candy store, and they had malts and milkshakes and ice cream sundaes, and they had all kinds of candy. And you could walk in with a quarter, and you could walk out with a ton of candy. I'm talking about a lot of candy. And I was standing there outside the looking at the window, and I was drooling and wanting some candy and didn't have any money, and I felt something funny on the ledge, and I looked down, and there was some change. And I went in and bought a bag of candy. I found the change I needed to buy some candy. Another time, I, I found a few times $20 bills. That's cool. About a year ago, I found a $100 bill. I've been walking back that same route every so often. can <laughs> One time, I found Miss Pat's wristwatch, in a Pepsi carton. You don't even know what a Pepsi carton is. <laughs> Used to, you had glass bottles and you had the Pepsi and glass bottles and you would put them in a little cardboard carton and she lost her watch and couldn't find it. And I was trying to figure it. And I thought through all the possibilities and I knew she'd put a, a six pack of empties in the car. So I went out and looked and I took the bottles out and there was her watch. In the bottom of that, I have a superpower. I found one time my son brought home his friend's snake in an aquarium. I said, nope, not coming in here. He said, Dad, please, I'll watch it. It'll be in my room. I'll keep the lid on. Everything will be okay. Guess what happened? I don't know, about 1130 at night, I, I got a flashlight, and I'm in there tucking the kids in, bed, making sure they're all right, and I look over at the aquarium, and the top is like that. And I look inside the aquarium, there's no snake. And I don't like snakes. I know God created them. I just don't know why. I don't like snakes. And I looked, I thought it's in my son's bed. I looked in my, his, my son's bed and moved him around and lifted up his pillow, looking all over for a snake running around in my house somewhere. I went all the way to the other side of the house, looking all the way over, got to my office, my office. There was that snake coiled up on the floor behind my printer. I found the snake. I have a superpower. I find stuff all the time. You know why? Because I really, really look hard until I find it, and I don't give up, and I don't quit. Sometimes I'll look over the same areas four, five, six times before I actually find something. Guess what? some years ago, the wise men found Jesus, baby Jesus, because they wouldn't quit. And they kept looking and kept looking and kept looking. They kept looking for two years. I've never looked for anything for two years, I don't think. Except my mind. I lost it once. I haven't found it yet. (laughs) But, But they found him because they didn't give up and they looked really hard. And so my question for each one of you is, have you found Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength? And I hope that you do. And if you, if you haven't yet, I hope that you ask Jesus to be your personal Savior. And talk to your Sunday school teacher about that, and they'll be glad to help you with that. So let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that those of us that have found Jesus have found him. And Lord, it really, it's not a question of us finding him. It's a question of him finding us and letting us know that he wants us to be with him in heaven forever. So I pray your blessings upon these dear girls and boys. God, may they know Christ and live for Christ all their lives, we pray in Jesus' name, and all the kids said, amen. God bless you. Go ahead and be seated. Uh, our, no, go ahead and go to your class, and then you can be seated. So uh, we had a, I had a funeral. I guess I just want to share this with you. Friday, actually, I had a funeral for Gary Webb, who usually sits right in the back next, uh, next to the sound booth there, and um, over... Over a dozen people received Christ as their personal Savior at his at his funeral. So uh, I know he had an impact upon them, and I thank God uh, for that. And uh, thank God that they found Jesus at Christmas time. Matthew chapter two. If you turn to that, how many of you have your Bible? Let me see. You, you have a Bible, and in, in hardback, softback, leatherback electronically, however you've got the word of God. All right, thank you. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of Herod the king, really the Herod the ruler, the tetrarch, as I said before, there, was, there were four different rulers over different parts of the Roman empire at this point in time. And so Herod was a tetrarch. Behold, there came wise men, magi, Uh, And we'll tell you more about that in just a minute. You probably know, but we'll refresh that thinking. Magi came from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born the king of the Jews? So now if you know anything about the map of of the Middle East right now, you've probably seen it. You know, the Mediterranean Sea is there. Israel is right at the uh, eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea. And everything to the east and everything to the north and everything to the south is all Arab. Uh, and Israel's grossly outnumbered, vastly outnumbered, um, and and there they are in that little piece of of property. So the people who came from the east uh, were, as we'll find out in a little bit, Arab people, no doubt, saying, where is he that is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now that's pretty amazing, the star in the east, Bo and Marjorie were watching the uh, the the moon last night that beautiful crescent moon and the stars and saw the space station come by uh, was that is that what you said it was yeah all right and uh, and when Herod the king had heard these things he was troubled he was agitated and all Jerusalem with him and when he had gathered up all the chief priests and the scribes of the people those are people who should have known where the Lord was going to be where he was going to come. Uh, to rule and reign. I'm, uh, and they should have known too, if they did their study, that it would be a baby uh, that, that according to Isaiah chapter seven, Isaiah chapter nine, uh, they should have had the answers. And, and they did have some of the answers because Herod demanded of them where Christ should be born. Uh, and it would be found in Hebrew prophetic writings. And so they said unto him, uh, because of Micah and other references in Bethlehem, of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, verse 6, and thou Bethlehem and the land of Judah are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor and that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. He wanted to know that, and that'll come into play a little bit later on. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, come bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. That is a lie. That is a bad, bad lie. That was a bald face lie. I guess I don't know what a bald face, what's the opposite of a bald face, but maybe a, someone with a beard. I don't know, but, uh, but, but it was a bald faced lie. Herod was known for putting several members of his own family to death. Uh, because they felt like, he felt like they were rivals and he felt like they were unfaithful and they were going uh, instrument, to be instrumental in a coup or whatever. So he had several of them put to death if he suspected any treason at all. Verse 9, when they had heard the, uh, the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them. So it was again apparent in the heavenlies. They saw it once again until it came and stood over where the young child was. There's some speculation um, and there are differences of opinion amongst Christians even, um, uh, whether this was the baby that was newly born or whether it was a young child. And the word that the Greek word indicates either one, a young child or a baby, uh, a young male baby in particular, uh, not necessarily an infant, but we don't know that for certain. So, so sometimes you'll hear, and, I, and I've probably said it before, when, when the Magi found Jesus, he was a, a young boy. And they were in a house as opposed to a stable. Look in verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, and the Greek therefore means an actual house, a residence, as opposed to the stable by the inn. Uh, So that's another reason why many people feel like probably he was uh, a couple of years old at this point in time. They saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Have you ever imagined how such a caravan of people originated and uh, what would have brought them to to store up supplies and to get ready for a long trip and to be gone for such a long time, Uh, probably following that star possibly for two years? Because that's, you know, when, when Herod asked them, how long have they seen the star? They said, for two years. And so they followed this heavenly body. Did you ever think about what they thought when they found the king, and it was a, a young child or a newborn, depending on your viewpoint there, but he's still two years old or younger, and, and this is the king of the Jews. He's a baby. Now, every once in a while, you read in history about, uh, it, well, and, and in the Bible too, about boys, young boys, eight years old Josiah, wasn't it, who became, wasn't it Josiah who became a king at eight? Um, and you, you think, how in the world can an eight-year-old, you know, be a king? And of course, uh, eight years old, they have advisors and someone there. So, so here, but here, this was a little baby or, or a young child. Were they surprised at that? Were they perhaps disappointed at that? Were they confused about that fact? These were, uh, after all, real flesh and blood men uh, who had real emotions, who had traveled real roads for a long distance and for a long time, and were away from their families for a long time, and they're expecting to find a king. So what do we know about these magi? What do we know about these wise men? First of all, verse 1, they were magi, the name for priests and wise men among the Medes, the Persians, and and the Babylonians, so they were called magi for that reason. They were great and powerful men. The magi specialized in the study of astrology and enchantment, which things we are not have anything to do with, by the way, at this point in time. Horoscopes and fortune telling and seances and uh, you know doors rapping and tables floating and all that kind of stuff. Stay away from it. Ouija boards, uh, you know, things have changed. Things are different. I mean, probably shouldn't have messed with it when I was a kid, but. We just knew it was a piece of wood with, and you know, you'd say, Who's you, Who are you going to marry? And you'd spell out the words of your girlfriend or whatever. You know, oh, <laughs> how many kids are you going to have? 12? No. Okay. But these were magi. They specialized in astrology and enchantment. They were known as enchanters, magicians, and the Chaldeans called them wise men, sophos, which we, uh, sophie means wise if you know someone named that. In the New Testament, they represent the the, the men from the East, notably from Persia or Arabia, who came to salute the newborn Messiah. What else would we know about? They were wise men. They were travelers. Uh, They had lost sight of the guiding star on their journey. They stopped in Jerusalem. They went to the Tetrarch, Herod. They said, we need to know. These were revered men enough to where they got an audience with the, the leader, Herod, uh, of the Roman government there in Jerusalem. Uh, and so they were world travelers, but they, they did not lose sight of the guiding star. Was it an actual star? It's one of the questions of, of history ever since for the last 2,000 years. Uh, the, the word there is asteros. It's a, it means a luminous body resembling a star such as wise men saw in the sky leading them to Bethlehem. So it resembles a star whatever it was we don't know specifically but we can assume that this motion of this luminous body that appeared to the wise men was different enough from stars that they were able to identify it and and they were they followed it they didn't get confused about which star to follow it wasn't like they kept changing stars you know it was like there was something distinctive maybe like the space station was it different colors i hear it. no okay so much for that theory huh that was in the old days. It's all black and white now, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It seemed also uh, that it possibly appeared during the daytime somehow. So uh, guiding them during their daytime travels, uh, no doubt the light was, well, I'd say no doubt, possibly it was very intense, uh, much more than the stars would, would give in their light, uh, and it was inferior to the light that was the brightness of the sun, uh, which shone all around. So Paul and those journeying with him saw a bright light. It was different. So maybe it was similar. I don't know. <clears throat> but we don't know whether it was an actual. It's probably something different than uh, an actual, what we call star, which are actually suns, right? <clears throat> they're they're uh, like our sun, and they're on fire, and that's, what, that's how they generate their light. They were also <clears throat> worshipers. The Greek word <clears throat> for worship means to do obeisance, Uh, to bow before, to show respect, to fall or to prostrate before someone or something, to literally kiss toward someone. If you worship, you're blowing kisses, you're worshiping toward them in in the literal sense of uh, of the word. And it was a token of respect or homage. They were worshipers, worshiping the newborn king. They were also gift givers. They came bearing, as you all know, three different gifts, There were not four. Someone said there was a fourth one that brought a fruitcake, and he was turned away. (laughs) That's not the case, but I think that fruitcake is still around. (laughs) So gold for a king, gold for a king. Um, um, Crown would be made, perhaps fashioned out of gold with jewels added, or whatever else, but gold for the king, frankincense for a priest, for that he was anointed with a special anointing oil that was forbidden to be used by anyone else for any other purpose other than anointing the priest. And then the myrrh, because he was born to die. And the myrrh was used as part of the anointing for burial, preparation for burial uh, that would be similar to the embalming and such that we do now, different process altogether, but the idea of preparation for burial and wrapping that person. So this is one reason because the Magi brought gifts. This is one reason, no doubt, that we have gifts that we give at this time of the year. Uh, we're not worshiping any newborn kings. Our, our king is in heaven. Our king is coming back one of these days. Our king will sit on a literal th- uh, throne. Our king will rule and reign Um, and our king will put down the antichrist and and the beast and the false prophet, and and Satan himself will be uh, in chains and then eventually put into the lake of fire and will be there forever and ever. So uh, we give gifts because of him, but let's not forget whose birthday it is. Let's not forget that. It's Christ's birthday. It's not. uh, The importance is to... To focus on him. Third thing is, they reached their goal. Uh, we assume, I, I, I'm trying to figure out how it took two years to get from where they were. And obviously, a straight shot would not have taken two years. Just a beeline for Jerusalem, anywhere in Arabia, would not have taken that long. So there was, there's obviously some kind maybe they wandered like uh, Israel did in the wilderness, Israel wandered because of disobedience. Maybe these magi wandered because they were being led by a God and he was testing to make sure they were going to follow through. I, I don't know, but it was long. It was toilsome. And perhaps it was dangerous uh, at times. They crossed deserts and rivers and maybe they encountered bandits. Um, if they didn't encounter bandits, there was always the danger of that happening for sure. Uh, and so they had to be prepared. There might have been times when they thought, they were going to fail to ever find the king. We've, we've, we've been on the road, on traveling for uh, almost two years now, and, and, and now we've lost sight of the star. Are we ever going to find him? Are we ever going to see this newborn king that the prophets talked about? So after following the star for a couple of years, they stopped in Jerusalem, knocked on some doors, no avail, until finally they were told it was going to be in Bethlehem. They probably expected everyone in Jerusalem to be Just as on fire looking for the newborn king as they were. They weren't even Jews. They were looking for him. They were excited about finding him. And they were intent on finding him. They would not quit looking for him. They kept on keeping on. And and yet, when they got to Jerusalem, it was business as usual. Kind of like today, huh? Christmas time, holy season. We celebrate the birth of the newborn king. And it's kind of business as usual. Amazon showing up at your house every few minutes for for a couple of weeks i don't understand how they do this they, they, they i don 't know if they have competing Amazon drivers or what they see I can cover more people in your neighborhood than you than he can no i don 't know but uh, this new new king, everything was just going on as usual. Nobody was paying attention, not even the scribes and Pharisees and those who were tasked with knowing what the word of God was, the promises of God was. Uh, they weren't even interested, evidently. They weren't looking for him. But these wise men were, these magi were. And maybe this was the very reason for them to be discouraged. Maybe, the, maybe their neighbors had kind of made fun of them when they left home. Did you ever think about that? You're gonna do what? We're gonna go find the newborn king. A newborn king, where? It's in Israel somewhere. How are you gonna get? We're gonna follow the star. You're what? You guys nuts? What what is what's going on with you guys? And maybe they made fun with that. Maybe I know one thing. They they left their own families for a long time. Maybe they were chided over that. Maybe um, maybe their wives were kind of saying, "What's going on here?" I'm not so sure about this it cost them money and time and effort and two years of their lives and it seemed like when they lost the star for a moment they were going to return home to the jeers of the people who said I told you it was a wasted effort told you it was a wasted trip but instead none of that mattered to them when they entered the house and they bowed down and they saw the newborn child and they worshipped him All the effort and trial and trouble and time and money and everything else they put into it, all of a sudden, was worth it all because they found what they had looked for. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? What do we... My wife kept saying, I need to get you something for your birthday. What do you want? I just want your undying love. (laughs) I don't need you. I don't. I I just, just, you know, those things. What's your life's goal? What, What do you think? You think if I just had this, whatever it is, I would be so happy. And sometimes you get this, whatever it is, and it's like a pain in the back end. Can I say that? Okay. I just did, so evidently I can. Is that okay? G- getting close. Okay. All right. What's your goal? What do you want morning? You know what I want morning? I, I prayed this morning. You sang about it this morning. I want the Holy Spirit to fill this place. I want the Holy Spirit to be in this preacher, in this congregation. I want God to do something extra special in our lives he can give us something that no one else, nothing else can give us. He can give us peace and joy, things that we really look for in life. What are, your life are your life goals Christ-honoring? Are, those, are there those who would discourage you from pursuing whatever your goal is or tempt you to quit or question your sanity for pursuing the Lord? Uh, do you ever want to quit, give up, or give in and forget about it? Do you ever feel like quitting your marriage? I hope not. Do you ever feel like quitting your job? Well, maybe you need to. It's not the right one. Unless you're in the Navy, you better stay there for, until your enlistment's up anyhow. I mean, you may have some other problems. Do you ever feel like quitting your church? Do you ever feel like quitting friendships? Giving up on your dreams? Giving up on Life? hopelessness is a is a terrible thing. To be hopeless, to get to a point where you don't care to live. And at this time of the year, I'm told many people resort to trying to take their own lives because they're so depressed and discouraged and, and, and they, ju- they just want to give up on life. Don't do it. Don't quit. Keep on keeping on for God. Keep on seeking him. Keep on. The wise men didn't stop. They went ahead and kept on, and they finally found the Messiah, and, and, and you need to find what God's perfect will is for you, and I need to know what God's perfect will is for me. We need to find it and do it with all of our heart. Third thing is this great effort lay behind a few words when they were coming to the house. What a great history and victory lies in those few seemingly insignificant words, when they were coming to the house. How many times have you walked into your house? It's kind of routine. Go home, walk into the house, walk out of the house, walk into the house. They came into the house. You see what they did? They, 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 they walked the walk and they also talked the talk. They didn't just talk about finding the Messiah, the Messiah. They said, We're gonna do it. We're gonna find it. We're gonna do whatever's required. And they followed him, and they found him. Too many of us talk about what we're going to do for the Lord instead of doing what we say we're going to do. Talk is cheap. That great song, a little less talk and a lot more action. Maybe you know that those words. The great theologian who sang that song <laughs> would be a good thing for most of us, a little less talk and a lot more action. We can talk a good Christianity, but you know what? James says if we, if we talk about it and we don't show it, it's, it's worthless. We've got to live it. The secret of their perseverance, they follow the star. Nothing, else, nothing less would have done. Do you think they'd have taken on such a, such a journey without some kind of a supernatural drawing to do it? I switched from secular college, second year second college, to go into Bible college because God was drawing me. Because God called me to do something specifically—to train for ministry, to be a pastor, to be a youth pastor—I didn't know what it was to be a Christian school teacher. I was willing to do whatever it is that God wanted me to do at that point in time. I just—I I, I finished up that semester and closed the doors on that part of my secular education and packed up. And that August of 1966, headed to Springfield, Missouri, in the beautiful Ozarks, and went to college. It's like God, I didn't see a light. I didn't hear an audible voice. But God did something very extraordinary in my life in a moment of time. I'm not talking about after months. I mean, in a moment of time. I don't recommend putting that fleece out, but I did. And God answered. And he was that light that I needed to show me what he wanted me to do. It was placed there by him. So what or whom are you following today? And is it from God? If not, think about what you're doing. If it is, keep on keeping on. We have a reason to live. We have a reason to believe. We have reason to serve. We have reason to strive. We have reason to die if we need to. Someone wrote this last week, I can't remember who it was, that he wished everyone who wore a cross on their chest also had one on their back. Because having a cross on your chest, and I've got one, But having a cross on your chest is not the same as carrying that cross that God gives you to carry on your back. God behind our zeal. God is behind our zeal. He can lead us through opposition. Hey, uh, fire, storms, and floods, he can lead us. He can carry us safely through. He can lead us through opposition. He can lead us through ridicule. He can lead us through misunderstanding. He can lead us through insults. He can lead us through trials. And he can lead us through obstruction. I saw something else. It says, he who sees no star is unstable. He who sees no star is unstable. He's in confusion. But if we're following a heavenly star, then we know there's purpose in our living. Nothing is vain. Life becomes filled. When I, when I stepped foot on that campus in Springfield, Missouri, uh, I had purpose. I had a point. I had a reason for existing. And that was to preach the word of God. That was to serve the living and the true God. And when you're a believer and when you're following him, you have purpose in living. Nothing is in vain. Life becomes filled with meaning and direction and purpose. Uh, and, and, and who would have thought? I'd, I never thought as a young Bible college student, they're enrolling for the first time that I would preach a funeral and over a dozen people would receive Christ as their personal Savior. Never thought about that. You go to a funeral and they're all sad. And I, I just think we ought to be able to rejoice in the fact that Gary's in heaven. He's not been able to walk. He lost the use of his legs due to an infection uh, years ago couple of decades ago. I can't remember exactly how long. He was completely active and played sports of all kinds, fisherman, hunter, uh, softball, baseball, uh, I mean, and, and a hard worker. I mean, I, I worked alongside him several times. He'd wear you out. He's just a hard worker. And, and then to lose the, the use of his legs. But he, it brought him to a point of coming to God coming to Christ, and he had a purpose for living, and he fought through that, and, 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 and he gave him meaning and direction, and, and, and part of that was a change in his life that occurred that affected family of friends so that when they came to his memorial service, they were coming to honor him, but they were coming to hear about God, whether they realized it or not. And they had enough respect and admiration for him that they were willing to trust the God that he trusted. Oh, and God can warn us of the danger that lies ahead. He did that with the wise men, didn't he? If you read a little bit beyond the text that I wrote, you'll find out uh, that, uh, that I read, you'll find out that God warned them don't go back and tell Herod where you found him go home a different way. You know what? When you come to Christ after you leave his presence, you, you ought to be walking a different way. You're not walking the same old flesh road. You're not walking the same old way. You're walking a different way. When, when I made that yield to the Holy Spirit of God to, to, to change my whole life direction, to go to Bible college... It changed a lot of things that I was doing at that point in time. Changed Immediately, abruptly came to a halt. I didn't miss any of them. Motives that brought men to Bethlehem, the merchants were there. They were there for the money. The wayfarers they were there. They were there for the travel. The tax were there. They were the governed. But thank God the worshipers were also there. The wise men came with gifts for the king. Why have you come to Jesus? Have you come to Jesus as a fire escape, as a safety, safety vest. Hopefully, you know, if I, if I say I'm a Christian, maybe I won't go to hell type thing. You know what? God can see through pretense. God can see through false professions. There are many false professions, and we preached this not too long ago. He'll say to us a lot of people someday, depart from me, I never knew you. I said scariest words I could never imagine hearing. Do we really see what happens in common everyday life around how blind we really are? We can rise up in the morning. We can eat breakfast. We can go off to work. We can eat lunch. We can come home. We can watch TV. We can eat again. We can lie down, and we don't know what's going on around all the time. Tragedies and miracles are happening every single day all around us. We were coming to church today, and, and there was a truck stopped on the bridge. And my first thought after riding with the police department was, I hope somebody's not thinking of ending their life. And when we got there, he had car trouble. The hood was up, and the man was still sitting in the car. And Pat was able to call and get assistance. But you know what? I can't, I can't tell you how many times, I know every week, at least once or twice a week. Coronado Police Department heads to the bridge because of someone who's threatened to end their life. Tragedies and miracles. Maybe just a kind word might have made a difference. Maybe just caring a little bit might have made a difference for someone. Our isolation, even in a city of several million, is amazing. I know Pat and I talk about this. We don't know the names of our neighbors four doors down on either side. We know the ones next door on either side. I don't know the name of the guy across the street. We go meet him. We, she takes some fudge. Takes my fudge and gives it <laughs> to complete strangers. I carry a heavy burden, folks. I really do. And yet, you know what? At some point in time, tragedy will come to every one of those neighbors in some form or another. And it's good if we know we have. There's one guy who lives on a cul-de-sac a couple of blocks away from us and eight or nine years ago, we heard his daughter was killed in an accident. We didn't know him from anybody. I didn't know his name. And we took him a, a box of fried chicken, some biscuits, and a couple of sides, and KFC. And you know what? He, he became an instant friend. He goes by our house on his motorcycle, in his cars, blasting music. Hey, preach. Yeah, yeah. Something will happen. Tragedy will visit. Maybe something. What what about your dreams? What about your husband, your wife, your kids? Do we even know our own family that well? do Do we know what pain people are going through, what turmoil they have, what where they are on, on, on the verge of maybe hopelessness, greatest needs in life are seldom loud or demanding. They're just there. How many were living around Joseph and Mary and didn't realize that maybe right next door to them, the king of kings was born and was a little child beginning to grow up as a little boy? Look for the unusual and the commonplace occurrences of life. Thank God for them. He's working always. All things work together for good to them that love him. And then last of all, they found and they knew him whom they sought. Why did the wise men see him when no one else, it seems like, did? Why? Because they were looking for him. When the first cosmonauts remembered, most of you are too stinking young to remember this, but when the first cosmonauts came back to earth, they said, we were in outer space and we didn't find God because they weren't looking for him. Our astronauts went up. and described, as I was talking about this morning, described the beauty. It said said, the outer space is dark and cold and, and bleak. And he said, then all of a sudden, we saw the earth rise. It said, beautiful green and blue and white, beautiful earth rise. And what they do? They read Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Others saw a child, but the Magi saw a king. Caesar, it is said, came and saw and conquered. The wise men came and saw and worshiped. And to worship is better than to conquer. So when you come to church, last point, maybe. Maybe it won't be the last point. We'll see. When you come to church, what do you come to see? If you come to see fault, you'll find it here. You'll find it it right up here. If you come for fellowship, you'll find that here too. If you come to find Jesus, he is here. I hope he's here. If he's not, we need to just close down and do something else. And with him is found peace and light and guidance and power to live well and power to die well. The last couple of conversations I had with Gary was about his home going. I shared this with the people at the service Friday. I said, you know, Tim Lee, Tim Lee's been here. He's a Marine, lost both legs in Vietnam, stepped on a landmine, lost both legs. Powerful preacher of the word of God. He said he was preaching one day and some guy came up to him and said, Pastor Lee, you, that was amazing. You, you're, you're, and you know what? He said, heaven is going to be so wonderful. You're going to have a solid gold wheelchair in heaven. family. said, are you crazy, man? <laughs> he said, my legs are already up there. They're just waiting for me. <laughs> Gary's walking around on streets of gold through gates of pearl. Have you found the Lord yet? Do you know him? If you haven't, keep searching till you find him. He is nearer than you thought. Would you bow your heads with me, please? They found the child. And if we have found the child, hopefully we walked a different way than we did when we came to him initially. Old ways and old days are gone and dead, and we have seen the king where to walk in a whole new way. He who was the bread of life began his ministry hungering. He who was the everlasting water ended his life thirsting. Christ hungered as a man and yet led the multitudes as God. He was weary, yet he was our rest. He prayed, yet he hears our prayers. He was sold for 30 pieces of silver, yet he redeems sinners. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, yet he is the good shepherd. He died and by dying destroyed death. God, you are the God we worship. The Holy Trinity. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God in essence, three God, three three essence, three persons, rather, in that one essence. Jesus is the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He is our Savior. He's the one who hung on the cross. He's the one who bled and died on that cross. He's the one who said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, speaking to his heavenly Father? when for the first time in all of eternity, his dad turned his back on him because he carried our sins upon his shoulders. Lord bless us. God use us for your honor, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name with every head still bowed. If you don't know Christ as your personal savior, but you'd like to receive him right now, I want you to pray something in sincerity and earnest. I want you to pray. In your own, he knows what's in your heart. He knows what words you're thinking right now. <clears throat> and I want you to pray these prayers. Say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. I know I'm going to die and go to either heaven or hell one day. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe it with all my heart. I believe he died on the cross and was buried. I believe he rose again on the third day. And you've said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, Lord, I call upon you right now. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Save my never-dying soul, I pray. And if you just prayed that prayer, would you, like they did Friday night, would you just slip your hand up and hold it up for just a moment? Preacher, I just prayed that prayer. i meant it. I'm sincere. Hold it up high. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Our Father, we're so thankful for what Jesus did for us. I pray at this season we would keep him first and foremost in our minds, that we'd honor him in all that we say and do and think. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us, please? And this is an invitation. This is an opportunity for you to come and say, Preacher, I want to become a member of the church. Preacher, I'd like to get baptized Uh, I'd like to do that, the earliest opportunity, or maybe to come and say, Preacher, I'd like to pray that prayer and receive Christ. Or you come and say, I did pray that prayer. We have something we want to give to you you if you prayed that prayer, if you allow us to do that. So as we sing a verse or two of invitation, come ahead right now. Ladies, my wife's right down here. She'll pray with you. She'll help you make whatever decision you need to make, and I'm here for the guys, so come on down. Pray with me, please. Our God in heaven, we're so grateful and thankful for the blessings that are ours in knowing you. Lord, we're so thankful that someone told us about Christ at some point, and we responded by putting our faith and trust in him. And I pray that, God, you would help us in this Christmas season to be bearers of light that would draw other people, men, women, boys, and girls, to Jesus Christ. We thank you for loving us that much. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said... Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great Lord's Day.
1: Yes
2: indeed. Next week is Christmas Eve, 10 o'clock in the morning.